With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talk to a person in your hand. That's strange. You, that's that's devil music. I like the way you say the word strange. It made a meal out of it. <laughs> strange. I got some stranger things for you. Come on over. I got a mind flare right here. I'm gonna cook <laughs> up a mind flare right in this pot. Come on. Nice. To, to cap off my little trip yesterday, when we we're flying back to Los Angeles, I was looking for the the Ram Stadium and. I always look too early, you know, like I'm like pretty much like over like Arizona any minute now we're going to see it because <laughs> I just want to land so badly because I'm holding a baby. It's just a stadium, and, uh, bro. Finally, it's just a stadium, bro. And we uh, we finally see it and you could hear like murmurs throughout the plane. Everyone's like, there it is. Look how cool it looks. So wait, is that it? Is that, is that, that, is that the new stadium? And so it's getting a lot of buzz on my United flight. But honestly, man, it looks it looks rad. Like it looks so cool. I'm I, I I'm pretty pumped for it. It's gonna bleed me dry financially, but <laughs> I can't wait for this monstrosity. It, it cool. Actually, in the last last time I flew, there was what last uh, the Eagle game, and they had just put they had just completed the the thing for the for the roof, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's starting to take shape. It, it's it's, a, it's noticeable when you're hitting. I mean, you can't miss it, right? It's like I think, it's a I think the fact that it's the shape of the logo when you break it down, yeah. I think is going to be a really cool thing, and I think they could have fun with that. And I think that's mm-hmm. so smart on a branding level. However, to to to, to they're going to sell advertising on that thing. You ain't going to see no Rams logo on that roof. It's it's going to be a billion dollar advertisement. Well, I think. Every once in a while, you is think? it going to be huge like Amazon, Facebook, or is it going to be some random sponsor that's like, ugh? Yeah, got, it's going to be a random sponsor. The Squarespace. It's going to be keys on Van Nuys. Keys, 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 keys on Van Nuys. Have you guys? Are they going to? Are they going to land the biggest uh, marketing deal for a stadium ever? Because I don't know. every plane flying to LAX is going to read that in LA. Uh, I mean, I think so. Be- It'd be Huge. funny if it was something like stupid, you know, like if it was for just like jock itch medication. Yeah, <laughs> the problem is desperation. Right? It's like a, companies like Amazon and Facebook and whatever, they don't need that kind of. No, they don't need it. Yeah, they don't need that kind of, uh, you know, awareness. So the, the companies that, that are willing to contribute to these kind of deals are often so. Yeah, the, the early noise was that we were getting that um, student loan. Uh, re- SoFi. SoFi, you know that kind of thing. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be a great. It's not going to be anything that we're comfortable with. It's going to be one of these whatever. Who cares? Um, did you guys see the Inglewood renderings for the new Clippers arena? I did. I was just going to bring that up. I think that looks pretty impressive. Does it look? I thought it too really similar. Cool. 
It looks very close. No, it doesn't. Like because, well, sure, whatever. Yeah, but I think would. the fact that it has the 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 sort of stripes yeah. that show the interior that you yeah, can see the greenery cool. inside. Cool. I've never seen anything like that. How before. many how many arenas so, have greenery um, inside? Not a lot, Joe. They're stealing that from the not Amazon Spears. Daryl Henderson looking at the arena. Why they got trees inside the, the, the oh that's mid construction? They got to finish, huh? Yeah. Is you that know, football stadium alive? Is it going to eat they me? Didn't do in the renderings. They did not. They did not put the the Ram Stadium in that rendering. Which one? They face into the south with that thing. They did not. Why well, they got that grass on the state on the roof? You need to go ahead and mow that roof. What you need to do before you start playing football? <laughs> can't, can't play. Hey, can't play no football on the roof. I know that much. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a game stoppage because like air condition blew a, like a rogue leave to the court or some shit. Like ah. We got to come out of the leaf blower and you know, clean. Palm tree right. knocked over. Sorry, the there's floor. there's pollen on the court. We're gonna have to stop play. Um, I'm, sure radio. I'm at three k underscore Joe Bravo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Rob? Uh, it's summer, fellas. Summer. We got camp. It is we summer. Foosball. We got the foosball. It's it's a good time of year to be a Rams fan. At LA Rams Rams fans. What's up, Joey? What's up, Dirks? I just called out one of my friends that put up Instagram. He's wearing a shirt. He's trying to be cool. He's like, oh, I spilled wine all over my shirt. And I I commented. I said, oh, by the way, that's a Jared Goff core temp shirt, asshole. He, he was not excited about that. Oh. He got called out. <laughs> Nail him. You know? Why not? Well, he's he's a dire bear. Why wasn't he so, you no? know, he, but, Oh, do they not have a <laughs> Trubisky line with Banana Republic? Uh. <laughs> who's, who, who's Trubisky getting his line with? Old knee. He's so big five. Yeah. Poor Mitch. Poor Mitchell. Poor Mitchell. Um, we have we have actual football yeah. we can get to. We have training camp is upon us. Um, when uh, you've got this, Joey, this is an appropriate place to start. They're not staying in the dorms at UC Irvine. They're staying at a hotel. Have have the Rams gone bougie? Are are, are we getting too soft? Are we? Are we by staying in a hotel and not staying in the dorms? Are we too quick to conform to 21st century NFL standards and not uh, not not roughing them up and getting them ready for the season? I'm 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 sorry to jump in here, Robbo, but I just want to um I want to deliver Ooh, my take hot take brought to you oh, by Nestle Crunch Bar. <laughs> Nestle Ding. Crunch Bar. They pay us tons of money for that advertisement. Thank you. Thank you, Nestle. <laughs> Where's my country bar, Nestle? So my hot take is that I think this is going to be a trend for other NBA, NBA, NFL teams mm-hmm. because I, I feel like the old-fashioned, old-school approach for an NFL coach is to be you know, grueling and exhaustive and, to, and to, to push the players to their limits. And I feel like Sean McVay is taking a different approach where he's like, hey, I want you guys to last. I want you guys to be able to play in the playoffs and not be out of gas. So treating the preseason as more of a formulation of your depth and not giving a lot of um, drain guys like Brendan Cooks or obviously guys like Andrew Whitworth. Because we know just by having Andrew Whitworth going to his third season that we are not expecting to really see anything from Andrew Whitworth until week one. He, they're pretty much going to put kid gloves on that guy. And anybody 
close close to his age. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, I love 1986. You come. This ain't this ain't glove. This is a sock. Hey, Melissa, come on, get all. Give me my glove, though. Oh damn. But I'll just come on <laughs> over here, there, Henderson. I want to talk to you about football. Yeah, I play football. I, yeah. They're playing on the roof in LA. I uh, know I seen that. That's a that's a travesty and a tragedy. <laughs> and, and I think that's what we need. I think they're gonna be hanging at the Newport Hotel, having some mojitos, talking about what it's like in the South, what's like in Mississippi and Louisiana, and they're not putting on pads, they're not straining their hammy, they're gonna be taking it easy. And yeah, maybe there'll be a little bit um not completely at the top of their 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 um conditioning by the time we start the season but um a lot of people say and i and i agree i'm in this camp that exhibition football is for the birds i don't want to see it i don't want to watch it and if i was a player i wouldn't want to play it yeah and guys like you know talk girly they're not going to be sniffing it's for the back of the roster so right? the fact it's that they're not making guys them fight in the dorms i think is a good idea I think Sean McVay is smart in letting these players take it easy, and he's trying to make sure that these guys are going to be right come December and January, so they don't need to kill them in August. Does uh does any of the extra travel, having to go to Hawaii and back, and all that have to do with maybe let's just make these guys comfortable? We got some extra travel, wear and tear, whatever. Let's let's just put the boys up in big boy beds because. There was some reports about, you know, the first year when Fisher was there, there was no AC in those things and the beds sucked. And so then they went out and bought a million AC units and they brought new beds in, whatever. It's like, you know, let's just not deal with the hassle and put the boys down uh, just a couple blocks away in Newport. Although in our Slack channel today, I said this was a, a masterstroke by Sean McVay to go down to Newport because where do the Chargers train? In Newport. You bring the Super Bowl contending teams in. Take over the fight for OC is beginning in Newport. We're gonna go in, we're gonna dominate Newport Beach, and we're just gonna push you boys back to your little corner of the world. Sean McVay just thrown putting the flag down right in Newport. He's fighting for LA. They already won the fight, fight for LA, fight for OC. Next year's gonna be like the fight for Riverside. We're just gonna start dominating. You saw the you, you posted the, uh, the link today, Joe, with the uh, with the vivid seats, like most popular player in each county. Chargers got nobody. They got Melvin Gordon and, and like Yuma. That's yeah. a that's a close. They have one county in the entire country that that they had. So I think Sean's pretty smart. Just put the boys in Newport Beach and let's just dominate. Balboa Start moving training camp every year and just expanding the map. I, I think part of it is just the nature of you know uh, Gen X millennial coaches taking over and stopping doing old school stupid shit. Like, the, what what is the point of making training camp all hardcore and oh, bring your own air conditioners and your own mattresses? We're gonna stay in a fucking concrete hostel. And then as soon as you get to week one, well, you've tweaked your ankle. We're gonna put you in a cryobaric chamber. And you're like, like, wait a second, man. What the fuck? Why would you, why would you subject people to this just out of tradition or whatever, when you could make it more conducive to being more prepared for football, like Joey said, and, and making sure physically that they're more ready. It's uh seems pretty simple. And I'm not surprised that Sean McVay is doing this because he seems to do smart stuff. Teams, teams used to go away to camp, right? It was, let's go to, let's go away and bond and get in shape. 
That's you know, dudes, dudes in the seventies would, would you know they'd be fat and out of shape. It's like look at Babe Ruth, like old guys. Did Babe? Old did, do you think Babe Ruth ever worked out a day in his life? No, never. And so they used to use camp to get guys in shape. Now everyone's in shape every day of the year. It's your job to stay in shape all year. You you know you might have to you know ramp it up a little bit. But for the most part, these guys are in shape. They're all working out in the off season, or they should yep. be. Uh, so you don't use camp to get ready for football anymore. It's just it's tweaking things. It's totally changed. So yeah, why wouldn't you make everyone comfortable and like you said, not sleep bad and have a like a sore back the next day, then have to go play football and screw that. Go go be comfy in a nice hotel and don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Seems so simple. Um, we've been working down the countdown to camp storylines uh, that I've had. Uh, number five was the Rams that are number going five. into their final year. Uh, brought to you Michael, by Gatorade. Brought to you by <laughs> Nestle Gatorade, Condé Nast, Ford. Um, <laughs> the Rams that are going into their final years, guys like Whitworth, guys like uh, Michael Brockers, maybe Akeem Talib, guys like that. And we'll have to see for some of the other uh, upcoming free agents, guys like Tyler Higby or Corey Littleton or uh, Marcus Peters, uh, if the Rams decide to extend those guys, but f- mainly looking at Whitworth, Tlaib, and Brockers, that those guys are probably playing their final season, and I think that's uh, notable. It doesn't mean that they can't have success. It just means that moving beyond this year, this is probably the final training camp. Number four was, again, you by so far. <laughs> like uh, Indomitian Sue last year, maybe like Connor Barwin or maybe Kayvon Webster two years ago that we've got a sales pitch that we can give to guys to, to say, look, you got one, two, three years left in your career. Come finish it with us and try to chase a ring. We were able to bring in Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle and see if they can help us on the field as much as they're going to help us off the field. Number three was to tag on that, to tag a little bit on that late career vet thing. Or does, does like Mike Daniels getting cut. One of those guys come available that the Rams, are interested in if someone cuts an interior offensive lineman who who, who are, well, will be starting two rookies? Do they do they go get themselves another Austin Blythe? One of those kind of things. That's what I'm watching for this this preseason. We can at who least cut. We can at least sell that idea, right? We can yeah. sell that idea with sincerity. The the fact that both Clay Matthews and Eric Whittle signed up means that we can sell that idea with some sincerity. If nothing, sure else. you can. Um, and every vet is going to be mentioned. The Rams will be mentioned as like a possible landing spot well, because. Where do vets where do vets want to go? Super Bowl contenders. They're Super Bowl contenders. So every vet will be linked to them, even if the Rams have zero interest. Number two, and I I've, I I thought Brought about making that number one. Icy hot, burn <laughs> with cold. <laughs> number two was Todd Gurley's knee. It was it was the biggest story coming out of the end of the season. It was the biggest story essentially from week 15 on. I don't think it's the biggest story. I think it's one of them. And the fact that we drafted Daryl Henderson means that they're prepared for it. They're going to deal with it week to week. We'll see how the media treats it during camp and the preseason, although Gurley's not going to play it all during the preseason. We'll see how they deal with it heading into week one, and then we'll just deal with it week to week. But the number one storyline, Joey, who's the, who's our sponsor for number one storyline? I, I got yep. Mueller adjustable knee braces. available <laughs> at Walmart. <laughs> Walmart, now that's that's a good store. That's a good. They got everything. Walmart, is there a Walmart tie? Daryl Henderson. Stand. They got good. Oh, they got good beef at Walmart. They got that good steak. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to eat fancy tonight, so I can't go there. Um, it's the Super Bowl hangover. It's a dumb idea. It's a dumb phrase. 
every every single national outlet is going to hang it around our backs going into the season. It is what it is. That's the biggest narrative. Um, and it's a result of uh, the success that we had last year. What do you guys think out of those five? The the Rams in their final year, the veterans coming on board, the rookies, Gurley's knee in the Super Bowl hangover. What, what interests you guys the most? Well, I want to jump in and talk about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl hangover because I I feel like yes it it is mm-hmm. stupid but there's so many examples. <laughs> Keep there's growling, so many examples that he, that you can get from it. <clears throat> you know, you talk about the Atlanta Falcons, you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. There's so many cases where these teams where they disappoint in the Super Bowl wait, the wait, next wait, year wait, wait. they don't they don't make the playoffs. And the Eagles have a hangover because they won it. Um. Yes. <laughs> are you talking like the, the Eagles from like Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens? Well, I, but, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the team that lost that Super Bowl actually won the following year. Did they have a hangover? I, well, I. You know what? I think if you look at it, regardless or of, they, of winning or losing, as an example, there's no regardless of winning or there's losing, just a hangover. The, the 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 what happens to you the next year doesn't seem to be like a lock to make it to the the championship game. It it, it feels kind of like sure. you can easily just sure. go seven and, and nine. And I think Ooh. He, but okay, but, <laughs> it, no, but right. here's the deal. He's right. Is that just historically the chances of a team like the Rams having a Super Bowl quote slump, end quote, isn't out of the question. But if you sure. look at who the Rams are I don't think this last year was their last chance to get to the Super Bowl and they squandered it. I felt like maybe they got there a season early or season two or, yeah. or two seasons too early in in the sense that they still had a third-year quarterback. They had a lot of development on the team, and that team has, has, has more experience. Yeah. You have, now we have a four-year, fourth-year quarterback leading your team. I think now it seems like they're more primed and you also have the, the Patriots or when you're older, if you play that game again and you have McVay with the Super Bowl experience of how he got worked by Bilicek, I feel like it's going to be a different game. It's the same thing that we were talking about last season when the Rams lost against a team like the yeah. Chicago Bears. And I was saying on this podcast that I felt like, yeah, you play that game again. And I think the Rams are going to win it. It wasn't like they were completely outclassed or um, they lost due to lack of talent. The roster is stacked. The LA Rams have so much talent on their team. So if yep. they have a Super Bowl slump, I don't think it's because the team wasn't good. I think it's because shit went down. And that happens in the NFL. That happens. But I don't think it's because there's not good players on the team. I don't think it's because they suck. Yeah. I think it's because, you know, Todd Gurley broke his knee. Daryl Henderson couldn't develop. And uh, something yeah. weird happens. And Jared Goff was broken up by his girlfriend. Jared Goff goes down and you have to like Bortles. Yeah, if we have yeah. Bortles going in on week 10, then yeah, Super Bowl slump. Here we come. Did uh, You brought up a good point. Did, did they overachieve last year by making it to the Super Bowl after not winning, a, after losing the playoff game the year before? Did they overachieve or because you said you, you thought they kind of went up well, peaked a year early. Earlier than we does, does every team that makes the Super Bowl overachieve? Not the Patriots. Not the Patriots. <laughs> not the Patriots. <laughs> oh, I hate you guys. <laughs> They don't make. But you're it. right. You're right. Uh, but no, you're right because, like, uh, well, I don't know. I think you see progression from teams a lot of times, right? Like the Falcons yeah. playoffs, playoffs. Even when the, when the, the hated Seahawks here, they went to the playoffs, they lost. They went to the playoffs, won a game, lost, and went to the playoffs, won a yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, look, look at the Chiefs. Progression. Yeah, 
nobody is nobody's saying that the Chiefs failed last year. No one's saying, oh, they couldn't get all together. The, the Chiefs are over. Everyone's kind of saying, oh, the Chiefs future pick, of the sure. Chiefs is, 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 yeah. is bright. And and I kind of feel like the Rams are on a similar trajectory where that that the future's pretty bright. And you know, you have other teams where it's like, ah, their window's closing. And I don't subscribe to the fact that the Rams window is closing. I I'm under the impression, and I could be totally wrong because you know, so dumb dumb and dumb dumb. But I I kind of feel like the Rams are adopting this sort of um um uh, almost like forever window, like like the Patriots, who I know you love to talk about, Joe. But just keep the party rolling. And this isn't just a we have two years and then we're going to be irrelevant again. Yeah. The the narrative amongst media has been you know either like one way or the other. Yeah, they're they're still great. They're still going to win the division, or it's like well I don't know Todd Gurley and they lost Roger Saffold, so they're going to be an eight win team. It's it's really interesting to see that. Look at Kate Adams. She looked at her like fifteen top running backs, and Todd Gurley was not one of them. I'm like okay, even Olympia Gurley has got to be in that top fifteen back somewhere. Delvin Cook, who's coming off an ACL, was listed on that thing. I, I, I don't even disagree with her rankings. I don't think that dooms the Rams' offense, though. How much of it no. is due to, to running back production? I, I, the, the Rams. CJ Anderson came in and, and carried CJ Anderson came in and fucking okay, right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't. It's like Joey said, part of the reason why I don't really feel all that concerned about where we're going is we've got so much of what we already had that went to the Super Bowl. We've got Jared Goff. We've got Aaron Donald. We've got, got Sean McVay. You got Sean McVay. You got the wide receivers. You got Cooper Cup coming back. You got all this new talent. You got all this other talent in the secondary. We've got so much that and is. David Long Jr. That is legitimately proven, and now we've filled in a bunch of new talents from the rookies and thrown in two veterans that are interesting, but I'm I'm not as high on them as some fans are. I, I just don't see why the, the, the idea of a Super Bowl hangover, I get the idea that the team might not do as well the year after they go to the Super Bowl. I just don't know what that has to do with the Super Bowl. The same idea could apply, and this is why I, I tweeted something about this, why the idea of a Super Bowl hangover is kind of insincere or just kind of silly is there's no such thing as a, a conference championships hangover, but every team that goes to the conference championship, one of the two is probably going to have a lesser season the next year. The, the teams that go to the divisional playoffs, there's no divisional playoff hangover, but one of those teams is probably going to have a losing record. It's just kind of silly to, to, Sorry, to Bama, you're going to have a natural championship <laughs> hangover. To, to tie the idea of the Super Bowl, a single game out of a season in which we played 19 games, 16 in the regular season and three in the postseason, and say the final one is a determinative you know, predictor of what's coming this season. That just seems so arbitrary and weird. And I get it. I get it. It's content. It's the offseason. We're just trying to get you the got, football. Got to talk about something. Why? Why would the Super like Bowl really be a better parody. predictor than what happened in the conference championship? That just seems. It, it, it seems like it's 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 try, it's trying to suggest this idea that um, anything can happen in the regular <laughs> season. That there's there's no team that's out of it, and there's no team that is so good that they're just constantly going to be re- rewarded with success. And I mean, if you really think about it, it's like if you had to just bet like. You know, five thousand dollars on two teams in the NFC that are for sure going to make the playoffs. 
you know, when you start thinking about it, I mean, who knows sure. who is guaranteed to have a good season this, this season. Nobody's, nobody's guaranteed to have a good season, but there are teams that are likelier to have a better season than others. I think most people would agree that the Rams and Saints are likelier to have a better season than the Arizona Cardinals. Well, I mean, on the on the I'm opposite, opposite. sure, but, the, but then when you start when we start talking about the Cowboys and the sure. the you know the Panthers and 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 teams like the um that even team, a team like that the team Redskins. that's close to Robbo, that team that's close to Robbo, the, the Seattle the Seattle Chicken Wings, I've heard of them. It is what it is. It's there, there, there's parity. You're right, and it's competitive. It's just it's just I don't know. The idea of a Super Bowl hangover is really strange to me. The good the good thing is. Um, we get to get started soon. We're going into training camp. The preseason's following uh, not long after. Uh, the good the good thing for the Rams is because we have such a strong roster. I think we were – what did we post? We were rated second, I think, by Pro Football Focus. Our roster stacked just like it was last year, and that means there's just not a lot of roster battles. What, what are you guys looking at when we go to training camp in terms of the roster? Is there anything that it, – it, it's not as um, – th- there's not enough first-string battles – as most teams and as most Rams teams in the past, but there's still some interesting battles. What are you guys watching? I got two. Two roster battles brought to you by Sunny Delight. Brought to you by Nutella. If it's nutty, it's hazelnut. Nutella, the training camp hazelnut. (laughs) So my two roster battles, number one, Greg Gaines, the fan favorite, fourth round pick, defensive tackle, dirty nose tackle, Versus battling Sebastian Joseph Day. Ooh, SJD, mm. thick boys. Um, thick boy battle. Hashtag THICC boys. Is there another is there another player on the roster do you think that could could end up getting us the, the starting job at defensive tackle? Besides those guys. Could Tanzel Smart mm. beat him out? Oh I, I don't know. Marquis Copeland? Know. Probably not. Probably not. He gonna he gonna jump in there? Uh, no. So would, you, would you agree with me right now that Greg Gaines is the front runner for the starting position, and SJD is possibly are we considering first down you know, because his, his biggest Greg competitor? Are, a run stopper? are we are we saying he is a starter because you probably run on first down, so Gaines would be in there as over a Joseph Day, who probably a better pass rusher, or neither, or neither of them. What what about a front three? Of, what about a front three of Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers and Fox. Joseph Franklin Myers or somebody else on a defensive end spot? Yeah, yeah. So so you put Brockers at tackle? Yeah, you might. Sl- I mean, maybe Brock isn't a great pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's played. He he and Donald he and Donald have both rotated there. We've seen that from Wade Phillips where he's messed around with all three. Remember at times he put and and Sue out at a wide nine all the way out by the tight end. So and he was he's good not at a it. He was. So Phillips isn't against, you know, throwing guys around. And I think uh, because we've seen Donald and Brockers in the middle, I, that's not out of the question. I think the question is how frequently does that happen? Just like in Dominican Sue, I, I, I remember maybe three or four snaps over the course of the season where he was out that far for the majority who was inside. And I think when you talk about Greg Gaines and Sebastian Joseph Day and maybe Tanzel Smart, what you're talking about is what do we look at at the majority of snaps at the nose? And, you know, they they were public about their interest in getting him in there, but things can change when you get to to training camp in the preseason and and guys look different. They play different than what you maybe anticipated. I don't know. that's That's a good battle to highlight first, though. And my second round brought to you by Jack in the Box. Brought to you by Mike. Keep it oily. Lubricant. 
lubricate, lubricate, lubricate. I really like this inside linebacker Ooh. battle. Because we all, I, I feel like Corey Littleton is locked in as one of our inside linebackers. And Robbo's boy, Micah Kaiser, could possibly be the other dude. But you also have Clay Matthews. I kind of have this vision that Clay Matthews is going to be more of a role player depth guy that's going to play edge, but also inside linebacker. So when Samson Ebukam is struggling or if Micah Kaiser is struggling, Clay Matthews is going to be the, the the guy that you plug in at either of those positions, but don't forget about the other Kettner two. Uh, I just forgot about him. He's been forgotten. Okay, so you had you had uh, linebackers and you had uh, defensive tackles. Interesting. A- I'm I'm going to go defense as well because let's be honest. There's no roster battle on the on the offense that any of us are concerned about. Joseph, uh, their their two line positions are essentially filled, and everybody else is stacked. So it's yeah, that'd be, be, that'd be the only one on offense. Yeah. What about I'm what about Tyler? Well, Higgins? But I'm looking at Obanaya Okorokro. Everyone's everyone's favorite Obanaya Okorokro. Everyone has been Maybe. talking about this guy. He's Maybe. the savior. Uh, and Samson Epicom, right? Mm-hmm. If if Matthews is in there, and we already have Fowler as a starter, how how are they going to wash out? And you, could Obanaya steal some reps over there? Um, so that's that, that outside linebacker edge I'd position is kind it. of what I'm looking for because I think it's fluid. I don't know that Matthews is a starter and playing starter minutes anymore. I'm sure he'll get yeah. a lot of run, but what's going to happen with those other two? Is I mean, Samson's not the greatest. He had a great game. He had one f- game of his lifetime, but other than that, he largely disappears for large chunks of the season. So there's an opportunity for someone else to come in there and take that spot. Obanaya's the fan favorite. Everybody's in, he's he's the He's the defensive answer to Nelson Spruce. Everybody loves him. He hasn't done crap. <laughs> He's better than Higby He's never started. Higby. Spruce never started. Ebukam yeah, at least got no. starting riffs. No, no, I'm talking about Obanaya. I'm sorry. Oh, Obanaya is the Nelson Spruce, right? The guy that hasn't done anything yeah. and everyone loves him because he hasn't done anything. Well, we haven't seen him. At stuff. least Spruce got that one preseason game against the Cowboys of all teams where oh, he, was he was great. Pre-season one preseason game. game. Obanayo Karonko's never take. He's never had any preseason action. He's never taken any. Not anything. Sick. He was what, like a fifth, sixth. What was he? A seventh round? Obanayo was, was fifth pick? round. Yeah. Fifth round. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth round pick who was on the pup. Hasn't done anything all year. And, uh, Oh, he's he's gonna be great. If you look at Twitter. If you stay oh, in the, you the club, you he can't make the great. club. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I'm looking for. Is that, that that edge outside linebacker? What are you looking at, Joe? What's your? I don't know. I mean, part of it is figuring out the the part of the problem is that we're talking about training camp, and I don't think we're gonna get a real mm-hmm. sense of like playing time. When you think about guys like Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle, what kind of playing time do we want them to get? When you th- think about a guy like uh, David Long Jr. We've got Marcus yeah. Peters and Aqib Talib. Are, are we are we specifically going to side like redshirt David Long for the year, or are we going to try to find opportunities to get him snaps because we know he's going to be so central to our future? I think I think when you talk about yeah, David too. Long, when you talk about Taylor Rapp, and when you talk about some of these guys on the linebackers, that's going to be a really hard balance to figure out. I don't know that we're going to get that in training camp. Yeah, when we talk about the linebackers, one of the things that I'm really interested in, and I don't. W- Maybe we get a sense of this from Phillips in training camp, maybe in the preseason. Would it would it make sense to almost go with a 3-3 setup, right? To have Donald, Brockers, and fill in defensive linemen here. 
and then throw in Clay Matthews, Samson, Ebukam, and whoever you want on the other side, and then have five defensive backs, because then you could get some three safety looks. You could get Eric Weddle and John Johnson and Taylor Rapp on the field at the same time. You get four cornerbacks if you wanted to get David Long. I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't get a good sense of any established uh, you know, formation work or rotation. We know what he's done on the defensive line. That was the think about it last year. The only rookie who got significant time last year was Jonathan Franklin Myers. And it's just because Phillips is real comfortable rotating guys in. So that's one that is, is maybe more important to the regular season that we might not get a sense of a training camp. The, the only thing I'm kind of looking at training camp is um, who gets what kind of quote unquote lines, right? If, yeah. if, if Andrew Whitworth goes out, who's our, who's our starting left tackle. I, I don't know an answer to that. I don't know if it's Joseph Noboom. I don't know if it's Bobby Evans or David Edwards. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I think the depth has, roles that haven't been assigned yet that they're going to have to work through. And I think that might be the most interesting thing, whether we're talking about the young guys coming in or whether we're talking about some of the veterans that uh, have these established roles that may have to adjust when things go awry the way that we used to always do with Roger Seth. Maybe uh, some answers about what the offensive line is going to look like. Sure. Or, or, or what the, the, what the responses might be when the offensive line, if it goes through injuries, we haven't dealt with any injuries on the mm-hmm. offensive line in the last three years, the 13 years before we dealt with them all the time. And so we constantly had to deal with guys that, you know, were rotating and moving positions. And we know that Aaron Cromer likes to do that. That's going to be interesting. But I think, uh, once we get beyond Jamil Demby. Jamil Demby, that's a perfect, like what position is he going to play? I, I'm not sure we have any real sense of that. Uh, I mean, and also is it, if you have, uh, say, Allen goes down, does Blythe slide to center, and right. then you put a Demby at guard? I mean, it's going to be fluid. If uh, Ole W goes down, God forbid, do you slide Nopum over, and then you put Demby? I mean, you have yeah. Or does do you keep Nopum at guard and you bring in Evans? Rookie? I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that. That might be the thing I'm looking at. Um, the good thing is because we're getting this t- close to training camp, it means that we're that much closer to the actual season. And so you got things like Pro Football Focus that had their state of the franchise. I think it was Cam Mellon and. Um, E.E., I forget uh, his first name, but I remember his initials, talking about uh, the state of the franchise coming in. Um, Looking at Jared Goff, had a higher grade, obviously, last year than he did the year before. And Todd Gurley having a successful season, the idea that all three receivers could go over 1,000 yards. What what do you guys think when you're looking forward to the the season and some of these big platitudes, the big predictions when we're looking macro? What are you guys looking at? I I like the idea of of the wide receivers, all three of them. With a thousand yards, I think that's really intriguing idea, and I'm capable of it. And it's go, it's going to need golf. It's actually going to need the run game as well. So, well, we tried to kind of break down parts of the offense into different sections. You just have to realize that they're so connected. And if one unit is is succeeding, that means the other units have an advantage. So, I, 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 I think I think that's interesting the way they kind of broke down the team and they talked about how how sure. strong it yep. is and. Especially when you have a guy like Cooper Cup who's coming in healthy and he's clear to play, it's not giving you any excuses about the wide receivers underperforming. So I want to see these guys ball out and put up sick numbers, and I want my boy to kill it. But it 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 really kind of ha- what 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 Pro Football Focus is talking about is what they did last year, and the thing that they brought up was how Goff backslid a little bit. It felt like they had a hangover after that Monday night football game. And then sure. went to Detroit. That their um things started to uh stall out a little bit. So 
Um, even with that, they still put up a lot of numbers. So can next season, can, can they play the way they did for the first, you know, 10 games all season and not take a step back? Who knows? It's going to be really interesting, but I feel like I feel encouraged by the way they, they broke down the team, especially when they about the pass catchers. Yeah, and should Robbo, you tweeted about the wide receivers when we posted it, the idea that if you go back over the last couple of years, this was not the kind of wide receiver room we had. And we do, we might have the best fourth wide receiver in the NFL and Josh Reynolds. It's just, it's just a stacked room. Yeah, they're, they're loaded um, and they're, they're versatile. I mean, these guys, if, if someone, if they have depth, so if you need to give someone a blow, they don't have to go every play. You can, you can set up Brandon Cook's. And you could bring Josh Reynolds in to play outside, and, or you could bring, uh, you could take Cooper Cup off. You could push Robert Woods inside. You could wiggle him with Cadero Hodge. They move around. You're not dependent Cadero. upon one or two guys. If one goes down, uh, you've, you've got some. You got it. some. Uh, you got some room to wiggle there, which is great. I think what I'm really looking at with as far as that goes. Oh, you could you could go five wide with Cadero. Uh, I'm I'm really looking. Uh, it's like one A and one B for me. It's it's how do both Sean McVay and Jared Goff adjust to the success of last year and teams adjusting to them. So we've seen they went almost exclusively 11 last year. Does, does Sean keep keep going that way? And so this is what we do, or does he throw a wrinkle in and does he start switching things up now that teams are starting to really game plan for him and their offense and, and trying to mimic what the Patriots did in Super Bowl and what the Bears did. Now you need the talent to pull that off, but you can still, and even the Lions to an extent, like you mentioned, schematically you can try to do some of those things so does is Sean, you know, take it upon himself, and I believe he probably has, to say, all right, this is what's coming up. I'm ready to hit you with this. And let's see yeah. his offense take the next step. Do we finally see the tight end like, ex- like exposing the seam like he did in Washington? Or is it like, I don't have those guys. I'm not going to touch those guys. This is what we do. I'm really interested to see how he changes and evolves or if he's like, this is me, and we're going to roll with what I do. And then Goff, you mentioned it, but I need to see him. He had a huge step from the previous year or last year. I need to see him take a step up again. Can he can he play better with pressure? Can he he's not the most mobile guy, but can he maybe just slide a bit? Some of the stuff we saw in college where he slid and he climbed the pocket. You know, I I think he can do it. I just want to see a little bit of growth out of golf because honestly, the the success of this team is gonna hinge on Sean McVay staying ahead of the the game and golf's growth. People are questioning like Sean McVay and Jared Goff coming out of the Super Bowl. And that's I, I think that's so much just an effect of recency bias. If you look over the course of the season, there's no reason that those guys were the issue. It was it was an anomaly of a game, and sometimes yeah. football's like that, right? Where you play 19 games and 18 of them, or in this case, maybe 17 or so similar, and two stand out as the anomaly, and you have to be able to play both games. You have to be able to play a 13-3 game against the Patriots. You also got to be able to play 54-51 to against the Chiefs, yeah, and totally. I think that's a credit to what the Rams are. Are, are you guys worried, or what's your worry? level let's say out of 10 about the mcveigh golf synthesis whether it's a system qb or whether it's a quarterback being handed a blueprint and he's got to be able to put it together what's your concern level out of 10 let's do that joey you get it first since you're the golf stand (laughs) i don't have much concern so if if one is the lowest amount of concern i'm at a two for anything a two a two to Oh, I said for lowest concern. I have a low concern. Yep. If okay. you want, if if I'm gonna put all of my um, con, you know, concern rocks in a bucket, it's gonna be 
with the cornerbacks, I'm more worried about how Marcus Peters and one year older Akib Talib are going to play. Okay. Is, Let's circle so back to that. I think the offense. Let's circle back to that. McVay are developing and and they're getting. I think they're getting. I I think you're going to see um, more, more exciting football from them, and uh, I, I I'm not sweating it. Robo. Concern slash confidence. I like Joey's. Joey threw me off. I thought we were going the other way for that. I like mm-hmm. I like eight nines and tens on my rating scale, and he threw me a two. But the two was the good one. It was a good two. What's your what's your what's your rating of concern one to ten? My concern with McVeigh and Goff right now is is one and a half. I'm gonna go lower than Joey. I don't. Okay. I'm not worried about those guys. Uh, I think I think they're dialed in. Where my concern comes from and affects Goff directly is the entry of that offensive line. Roger Stafford. Okay, we're so, let's circle did. back. We'll let the, right? Both of so you guys the, did a good the job. Pressure, previewing the pressure the middle pod. to rattle them. So that's that's my Very concern good. is there. But not, those two guys specifically, I'm I'm good with whatever they want to do. I, I have no concern with those two men. It's a question on the podcast. What do I always do? Take the coward's way out. Robbo went 1.5. Joey went 2. I'm going 1.75, right in between, right dead in the middle oh, between y'all. Put the fence yeah. post right in your ass. I just, I, I don't get, I get the yeah, idea that the it. Super Bowl, we dropped the ball, but Sean McVay has had an entire off season to look at quarters coverage. That's what the Bears ran that stymied us. For whatever reason, nobody picked it up until Bill Belichick because he's that kind of genius. And I get it. It worked. But Sean McVay's had an entire offseason to come up with a plan B and a plan C and a plan D, and he's got this offensive roster. I don't have any we were the we were one of the top three offenses in the NFL last year over the course of the season. We had a very, very, very bad game to finish it offensively. I don't have any concerns that over the course of the season we're gonna have this offense cranking. You do, however, bring up an issue that some people are concerned about. This one could get some different grades. The interior of the offensive line. Robbo. You get to go first. Ten, you're freaking out and panicking. One, you're as comfortable as Joey in an airplane with his young child. That's a bad example because that would not be a one. Mm-hmm. What, what's your rating? What's your rating for what you feel about the offensive line given the changes? Oh, I hate myself for saying this, but I'm at about an eight. Ooh, you are concerned. I'm an eight. Uh, I'm I'm concerned uh, not with OLAW. Uh, I, I have no issues there. I think Rob Havenstein is probably the the most underrated guy on this roster. He, you know, Robert Woods is a popular pick, but that guy has been solid, solid, solid. And uh, other than the huge, huge contract they gave him last year, nobody talks about how good he's been. Austin Blythe has been pretty good uh, over the course of the season. He was a little exposed with pressure up the middle. Now you're missing center, and you're missing a fantastic left guard who should have been all uh, a Pro Bowler, who wasn't. Yep. And and Roger Saffold. Um, and you're putting in two inexperienced guys there, and what got to the team last year was pressure up the middle. The Bears got to him up the middle, uh, and, it, you know, and, and that's when Goff tends to struggle is when the guys are kicking his ass right up the middle. So you're going to put some some youth there. Uh, that's my concern, although I do bow at the altar of uh, Aaron Cromer. He's shown that he's come in and done wonders with this offensive line, and he's made it work. He's picked up – they picked up a guy – like two weeks before the season in Austin Blythe and turned into a serviceable, pretty damn good starter. He had a few issues going down the, the stretch, but you know, for the most part, uh, right guard was not a problem for this team. Uh, so um, I, I trust in, in, in their vision of what they want to do, and Aaron Crumber has deserved uh, that trust until he hasn't. And I trust McVeigh's you know, judgment. You know, If he believes in his guys, I'm going to go with it. But if I'm being completely honest, until I see that they're the man, 
I'm kind of worried about both those gentlemen. We'll see. What do you think, Joey? I would say that I'm a five. And that's not because I'm concerned. I'm just more intrigued and curious about how this offensive lineman, offensive line is going to develop. And it's the same things what Robbo said. It's those two unanswered uh, questions of are these are these players and Joseph Nopoon and Brian Allen. Yeah, I mean, they, they seem to have potential and they seem to have the faith in the coaching staff, but we haven't seen them play you know, major minutes in regular season or postseason games. So I just want to see it. I just want to see these guys and, and to see how much are we going to miss Roger Saffold? How much are we going to miss John Sullivan? Um, and, and maybe. John I think, maybe I think right much. now that's yeah. – I think it's possible yeah. that we'll be fine. That's why I'm at a five. I'm not freaking out. Who who made the line calls last year? Who made the line calls? Was yep. it Goff or was it uh, Sullivan? It was Sullivan. Yeah. So that's another step yeah, for exactly for Goff to grow. Or do they throw it on the second year player and say, "Hey, Brad, you're the center. You got to you got to be on this son." And supposedly we'll they see. were they we'll were putting a lot of that on him last year was to make sure that while he got redshirted that he was learning that stuff. He was still doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, the other thing I'd say though is that when when if the Rams start to struggle with some protection issues, especially in the passing game, part of what changes is your play calling. You stop, you stop calling a bunch of deep passes where you have to get seven-step drops from golf and where you require a lot of protection, and you start curtailing the offense. That's not necessarily a bad thing. There's plenty of successful offenses that can do that stuff. So, you know what I smell? In that uh, case, I smell 1,200 yards from Cooper Cup. Oh, I thought that was Joey going in on a little summer powder. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, no, it could be. It could absolutely be. A, you got to get the ball out quick. It could, get it out quick. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if the Rams are having success in the run. I think part of what they got to do is figure out what are they going to be able to lean into? Is it going to be the running game, running blocking or pass blocking? I, I, have, I don't think if they're – if we go into this season with Joseph Nobum and Brian Allen, I don't think they're going to be gifted those positions. I think it's that they're – if they get to that point, if they get to week one, it's because, A, they're more talented, and, B, they showed it over the course of this next uh, couple yeah. weeks, right? And yeah. so if, yeah. if that's what they do, I think there's going to be an opportunity to be able to say, look, here's what they're doing the best going into week one because unlike last year where we started week one against a uh, Raiders team, that w- especially after they traded Khalil Mack, wasn't all that worrisome. You go into week one this year, you got Carolina on the road, New Orleans at home, Cleveland on the road. The Rams cannot come out and have the first half against the Raiders that they did last year, this year. They can't afford to do that. They they got to come out. Yep. They got to come out and play some football. So part of that's going to be on the offensive line. Uh, We asked the specific question. Part of that also is is Daryl Henderson uh, picking up pass pro, right? We're we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're we're doing all our previews. Um, But that tied into the pass protection. That's the only part I'm getting at. Because John Kelly showed last year as a rookie, he struggled and he couldn't do it, right? You know, he was lost in that department. And that's that's not something people think about as a rookie. That's a huge growth. So I hope he is better than John Kelly in that department because they're going to need him to be. I don't want Todd Gurley's reps being, you know, blocking blitzing linebackers. I want Todd Gurley being Todd Gurley. That'd be great if Todd Gurley t- turns into our blocking running back. Right. He's getting four carries a game, but blocking for 14 Todd snaps. Robert Holcomb Gurley. <laughs> um, we asked a specific question. It's a podcast. What do I do? I take the coward's way out. Robert, mm. you had an eight. Joey, you had a five. I'm going 6.5. I'm averaging both of your ratings. There's a theme here. 
I have a feeling we're going to keep this up. You talked about running backs. That's obviously, that was my number two preview. I know Todd Gurley's knee is going to be a, a, a focus of coverage. I don't think we're going to learn anything about it through the training camp preseason period. I've said all offseason, I expect Gurley to be as healthy for week one this year as he was last year. That doesn't mean anything because of what we saw last year. It also doesn't mean anything because last year when he aggravated his knee in week one, what happened in week two? He got 19 carries. That's not going to happen. If, if Todd Gurley aggravates his knee in week one, they're going to say, Daryl Henderson, get your ass ready. You go, you going in. You're right. about to get 19 carries because we got to keep Todd Gurley ready so that we avoid what happened in the playoffs and at the end of the regular season. So what what, what is your concern with the running backs, with Todd Gurley, with the pass blocking, with figuring out this balance? The, the Rams managed it pretty well with C.J. Anderson, but obviously the offensive line was blocking so well in the run game at the end of the season. It gave C.J. Anderson the opportunity to put up monster numbers. We got some change on the offensive line, and we just talked about that. What, what's your concern, Joey, about uh, the running back situation going in 1 to 10, 10 being you're freaking out, 1 being you're pretty comfortable? Well, considering how well C.J. Anderson – Not playing. <laughs> how well Meatball played last year. Um, yes, I'm not putting any stock in John Kelly, but – I think if, yeah. if you take a guy like even Malcolm <laughs> Brown and Daryl Henderson, I feel like those guys mm. are pretty you know pretty good backups. So we just don't know what's going on, and we're not being fed yeah. accurate information about Todd Gurley. So it's hard to really be concerned about something that you don't know all the facts on. And I don't want to pretend like sure. I know exactly what's going on. So. I'm just not going to choose to really spend too much energy getting worked up over it because last year they figured out how basically every game they were productive in the run game. It wasn't always coming from Gurley. It wasn't always coming from C.G. Anderson. But somebody was running the rock, and they're making it happen. So I think – and yes, the the blocking was excellent. So a lot of things have to happen. But there could be a scenario where Gurley's right. And he just he he plays like he did the the previous season. So I I, For sure. I mean For sure. right now it's it, it's just it's something that we can't control and no one really knows exactly what's going on. So I'm gonna put my concern at a four. I'm not I'm not sure the Rams know what's going on. I think I, I, or or in in the sense of week to week know what's going on in terms of how his knee is gonna respond. Right? He aggravated at week one and it felt fine. He aggravated in week fifteen and it didn't. What's the difference between those? What's what? What's to say if he aggravates it against Cleveland in week three, who the hell knows what's going to happen for Todd Gurley on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as they get ready for practice? I just I don't think there's a lot of certainty there. I think that's part of the whole thing. That's why they drafted Daryl Henderson. That's why they've, you know curtailed his off-season work where he hasn't done any contact drills and he's going to play lighter this season, six or seven pounds lighter, whatever it is. I think it's more preventative than it is responsive to what happened. And I think a lot of people are kind of responding to the idea that it's responsive more than preventative. Rabo, what do you think? That was Joey, what'd you go? For? You went four? Yes. He went four. I yeah. need to get my average ready. Uh, jo- Rabo, what you got? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you my rating at the end, but uh, Joey mentioned the name that nobody has talked about since he re-signed with his team back in February, Malcolm Brown. Uh, Todd Gurley averaged 4.9 yards per carry last year and was, uh, up until he got hurt at late in the season, MVP talk. 
Malcolm Brown also averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Now, granted, it was on 200 less carriers than, than Todd Gurley, but he was effective, and he was effective in the pass pro, which we mentioned earlier on the, on, in the, with, with Daryl Henderson. Uh, I do not worry at all about Malcolm Brown picking up picking nope. a blitzer because he's outstanding in it, and he's sneaky good as a receiver. Yeah. Uh, he only had five receptions last year, but you know what? He had a touchdown. He had a, a fantastic touchdown, tight rope in the sideline. Um, I, I think Malcolm Brown, they – the reason why C.J. Anderson is not here after having a great run at the Rams is because the, this team believes, and Sean McVay specifically, in Malcolm Brown and his ability. And yeah, he probably costs a little less. But so I, I think they have history of Malcolm. He's not a one-year, he's not a three-game guy. He's been here for a couple of years with Sean. Uh, Gurley's obviously comfortable with him. And so when you add Malcolm to the mix and then you you sprinkle in some some Daryl Henderson and he might get more love as the season goes, whatever, we'll see. I feel pretty good. And so I'm going to... Screw up your rating here, Joe, and I'm going to go with Joey and say a four. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. That one out, big guy. Hold on, let me do. Let me do the math. I've got. Get the calculator. Carry the one. Four point zero zero. I think I know what his number is going to be, guys. Derivative. His number is going to be John Kelly. X. <laughs> the answer's four. The answer's four. Now, the, now I'll be honest. Honest. The answer for me is one. It's running backs, man. Yeah, this don't matter. Running, this don't matter. We we brought we brought C J Anderson off the street. We got seven. You yeah. got seven rounders coming. In. We have Malcolm Brown, a UDFA, that's had a fantastic career as a backup. That for whatever reason the Rams haven't felt comfortable giving him the opportunity to get to C J Anderson. We talk about running backs. Now I'll break with you guys. I'm gonna go one. I am not worried about this whatsoever. I will do this. Specifically, are you worried about Todd Gurley? Because honestly, I'm not. No, but I'm not worried if Todd Gurley misses time. I'm not worried if Todd Gurley misses time. Todd Gurley missed time. Todd Gurley missed time. CJ Anderson ran fantastically. We we won the last two games in the regular season. Todd Gurley was limited against the Cowboys, where CJ Anderson got the ball more. We won. Todd Gurley got four carries in the NFC Championship against the Saints. We won after losing to them in the regular season. I'm not worried about Todd Gurley not being available because he's a running back. I know I get it that Todd Gurley's fantastic. He's an incredibly talented player. He's a great running back and maybe the most skilled running back in the NFL. But he's a fucking running back. That's the bottom line, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. But does that mean you could put John Kelly in there and be successful? No, you could be 90% as successful in terms of production as long as the offensive line is doing as well as they did and you have the passing game doing yeah. what they did. That that's why right. that's why the Chargers are getting what they've gotten out of Austin Eckler. That's why the Rams got what they've gotten out of Malcolm Brown and CJ Anderson. That's why you have Cowboys fans saying they don't need to pay uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. It's it's not that you don't get more out of talented running backs. It's that the drop-off in production from talented running backs to guys that are half as skilled is not nearly what it is for other positions. You get a quarterback that's half as talented as Jared Goff and put him in, this offense is going to fall apart. You get a C.J. Anderson and put him in, the offense still runs, man. It's running back. And, and I hate to be that blunt with it, but it, this is one of those things. In this era of NFL football, Running back skill is not that important. It's just not. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of fans overvalue a running back on a a real NFL team because Tons. they play because they play fantasy Tons. football. And I think what fantasy football does is it puts this expectation of the running. It's all about yes. 
what what a running back does. If he puts up big numbers, the team is going to be good, and that's not the truth. And when people are preparing for their fantasy drafts, they're just trying to figure out what running back is going to put in the numbers. And usually on a really good team, it's just who's the starter. So I feel like a trend that's going to happen when these fantasy drafts come in the next couple of weeks is you're going to see a lot of Rams fans on the slide, maybe not telling their friends in the league that are not Rams fans. And I think they're going to be um, sneaking Daryl Henderson on their team when no one's looking because um, maybe someone who isn't paying attention, maybe someone who's not an LA Rams fan is going to think that, you know, Daryl Henderson is worth a pick. But, you know, guys that listen to this podcast, all seven of them know that there's a a high probability that Daryl Henderson is uh, going to get a lot of touches and is going to get a lot of fantasy points this season. Not saying it's going to happen, but you know it's not. It's not the dumbest pick is to get that guy in your team. You know, I'm not saying draft him for five rounds, but you know, just make sure that when no one's looking, you grab him and put him on your team on the bench. There's a good chance that he's going to be a starter at some point. Fantasy is definitely to blame because if you look, we we mentioned earlier in the pod about the uh, the ranking of the most popular player per county across the United States and the most popular Rams player in the LA area where they like won this thing was Todd Gurley when it should be Aaron Donald, the best player sure. in the game or Andrew Why? Whitworth or Andrew Whitworth or OW. Why? Cause Todd Gurley scores, scores points on the fantasy yep. team and only and, uh, and Aaron Donald doesn't. Yep. I saw the top, top 20 most popular jerseys in the league right now. There isn't a single Ram on it. Why isn't Aaron Donald right up there? Uh, yep, Is it because yep. I think so. uniform talk? Oh, because we have new uniforms coming out. Is that why people are holding off? He's still the best player in the game. He's fantastic. Why isn't he up on the top 20? Why isn't he in the top 20? I'll throw you guys. Why are people in Kentucky wearing Aaron Donald's uniform? Because <laughs> people in Kentucky Pardon? don't wear clothes. Um, here's an over-under <laughs> to consider. That's not true. I'm going to edit that out because I like people in Kentucky. I'm not going to edit that. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> they know that they don't wear clothes, and they're still fantastic. Um, and Daryl Henderson knows it, and he loves them. Nonetheless. Um over under, this is one I think we're going to disagree. Over under, 20 carries for Malcolm Brown this season. Oh, total? The entire season, 20 carries? The entire season, 20 carries. He had 43 last year, but he got hurt. Missing, He missed four games, yeah. All right. So he was on pace for what, uh, 50, 55, something like that? Something maybe? Like I'm like, I'll take the over. Ooh. 21. 21, Enjoy. baby. I'm going to take the under. Oh. <gasps> I like it. I'm going to average. I'm going to take a push. He's going to have 20. I didn't even think about that opportunity until you guys did that. Joey, I thought you were going to take the over, and I was going to take the under. But because you went under, I'm specifically going to take a push. I I just don't think Malcolm Brown is involved in their running game. I think he's going to be a special teams yeah. guy. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I, don't think I just think because of Gurley's reduced workload, someone's going to get extra yeah. carries until they all go to Maybe. Hugo, or you spread some yep. to Malcolm as well, just to keep him happy. Yeah, that's a good point. That's kind of where I went with that. Yeah, I think you can see him a lot of pass protection, and you can see him yeah. on, on play action stuff, and he, he might be a decoy. but He's going to get to a 30-19 draw. Jeff Fisher just just, pee, just stood <laughs> off his it. couch. Third 19 running plays. <laughs> Let's play some football, boys. Um, we've talked about the offense. Over to defense. You, you mentioned the, the cornerbacks. Was it cornerbacks or secondary, Joey, that you prefaced in your early – well, defensive backs, mainly the quarterbacks with Marcus Peters and Akeem. And this is interesting. I, I, I'm I'm much higher on Marcus Peters than 
what, 99% of Rams fans? I'm interested to hear this. Well, you know what it is? It's it's not talent. Mm-hmm. It's 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 attitude. Robbo just made the Kermit the Frog sound. Mm. He did. He Murky, did. Marcus Pe- mm-hmm. Peters. Mm. I feel like it, mm. it was week one when he t- a pick six to the house, and he had that iconic pose where he himself has he jumped into the end zone. But, but I remember the moment I fell in it love. Was uh, it was like it was yesterday. But he's the type of guy that can get caught up in his own bullshit. And he ha- he has the talent, but I feel like the cornerback position is very psychological. And th- sure. there's there's you just gotta be strong like mentally. And I'm not saying he's not strong mentally because I mean I don't know I, I-, I couldn't imagine being put in that position of um of being a defensive player on that uh, at that level. But it, it just kind of feels like Akib Talib is one year older. Marcus Peters coming off a shaky season. He's he's a you know a mercurial guy. I just don't know what exactly we have with our defensive backs. I like the cities, but I feel like with the cornerbacks, I just feel a little bit like I don't know, uncertain. What's your concern level? One out of ten. Ten being oh shit, I can't urinate tonight. Uh, one being I'm gonna sleep for the next twelve hours. Seven point five. <laughs> okay. <you> well thought out. <laughs> Are we talking pure corners or DBs um, in general? Joey, you decide. Cornerbacks. Cornerbacks, okay. Just corners. We're gonna do, we'll do John Johnson and Eric Weddle and Taylor Rapp. Do we need to? I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. so good. Do, uh, do, yeah. They're, they're fine. Easy street. They're fine. Joey mentioned Marcus Peters, and there's you know interest to see how he performs in a contract year for him. I'm with Joe, and I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, does it depend on Akib Talib being healthy? He was he was far and away a better player, mm-hmm. but he was also hurt last year, right? So Marcus played hurt, whereas Akib didn't. Uh, and then you know people were running past him, but that's that's not his. That's not who he he is. I mean, I, I'm not too concerned about Marcus. I think he's going to be a riot. I think uh, you mentioned David Long Jr. I think they're going to want to get him some some uh, some run out there. So if it's if it's uh, you need to spell someone, are you going to put him out there? You're going to put Troy Hill. I think you can go with the kid because I think the future is with the kid and not with Troy Hill. Uh, NRC is great. People people love to hate the guy, but he's great at what he does. Yeah, he moved out early, but he is he's one of the premier inside corners in the league. Uh, he just he's fantastic. So uh, I love John John Johnson is going to become a household name. I truly believe that the guy is he's had a great leap from year one to year two. I'm looking for more of the same. I'm with you, and I don't think Edel is going to uh, – Weddle, Edel. <laughs> I don't think Weddle is what fans think he is because uh, he's older. He's a little slower. But that's okay. He doesn't have to be great because you've got three great guys around him. He just has to be – you know, I think his value comes upstairs in his head. You know what? He's 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 not going to be surprised by anything he sees. People will be lined up. Um, and then Taylor Rapp, my my boy from UW. Um, I'm feeling good about the DBs. I'm going to put it 8.5. 8.5. Is eight but eight point five is that you're concerned? Are you eight point five or two point five? Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah. going the other way. So yeah, two point five. I'm no concern. Yeah. No, very two point five. He's seven point five. I'm I'm not going to take the coward's way out. I'm with you. I'm I'm going to go two point five. I don't. I'm I'm. There are three players that I found out that I'm higher on than most Rams fans. Number one is Jared Goff. That's been the case since we 
since year after year one. Number two is a guy we're about to talk about in the linebackers, and we'll get there. And number three is Marcus Peters. I don't, I I know that some of the plays that he had have been burned in Rams fans' memories, and that um, he wasn't as consistent as we hoped for. But he played through an injury when Aqib Talib was out, and teams targeted him because they knew they could isolate him, and they took advantage of him, and he had to fight through it. And I thought that was admirable, even if the results weren't always perfect. And, you know, this is a guy that's made two Pro Bowls. This is a guy that's got a ton of talent and is aggressive in a way that Janoris Jenkins used to be without being as undisciplined. Um, and I, I think because we've got the safeties that we do, and especially this year with the safety help that we do, I, I could there might be nobody that I'm predicting a stronger bounce back season than Marcus Peters this year. I think he's going to be very, very successful. And the thing that worries me about it is that we're going to be in a position where we're looking at Marcus Peters and saying, we got to pay this guy uh, in a way that we felt that we were supposed to pay Janoris Jenkins and Trumay Johnson and didn't. And we're going to have to face that uh, a year from now, but um, yeah, I'm with you. 2.5, that, that I'll go 2.5. Cause I'll go with you. I, I'm not worried about it. What I am worried about is the linebackers. This is the weakest unit on the roster, inside and out. There's a lot of confusion. There's not a ton of talent. Uh, on the outside, we, you know, Samson Ebukam, along with Dante Fowler Jr., maybe Clay Matthews inside, Corey Littleton, uh, Micah Kaisers, maybe Clay Matthews. We got to feel how they want to run this and then some of the depth that makes a 53-man roster, how they want to rotate. I don't have a good feel for this at all. Robbo, what do you think? What are your feelings about the, the linebacker units uh, inside and out? What is your concern level for how much that affects the play, knowing that we have such a strong secondary and that we have Aaron Donald anchoring things up front? Yeah, and directly, the biggest worry I have on this team is run, rush defense, and that is where this linebacker crew is going to come to play. So I'm hoping Micah is what we all want him to be and not like Mark Barron getting blown out of the hole and can't shut a block. I want to see Micah shed blocks, stuff a hole, and then let Corey chase. Um that's that's my biggest concern with this team is is rush defense. Uh, I don't want to see teams running for two hundred and something yards like the stupid Seahawks did twice on them. Uh, I want to see these guys uh, perform there. So that's where this linebacker stuff comes into play. I don't know where they're going to play Matthews if he's going to go inside, if he's gonna outside, if he's just a you know, role player. Um, there's a great unknown like we mentioned with the inside uh, offensive line with with Michael Kaiser. Corey Littleton is pretty good. Uh, he's not great. Um, he's better in pass pro than Much. he is, uh, you know, rusty punch as well. So there's, there's a big, there's a big black hole there that I don't know how to, you know, judge this thing. So I'm, as I said, eight point five earlier when when I meant two point five, I'll say eight point five, and I'll mean it this time with the linebackers. I'm, I'm concerned with this unit until they approve differently. Uh, my concern will be there with this unit. How about you, Joy? I mean, it's my biggest concern out of all of the units. I think it's something we should be talking about. As far as just roster spots, roster battles, I I feel like there's two kind of roster battles, and a lot of it is just what are you, what are we going to do with Clay Matthews, and may, yeah. maybe Wade Phillips is is not as worried as we are because he knows what he's going to do, but we don't. So I'll say my concerns at a, at an eight right now, but. That's not keeping me up at night, but I think if I just have to put most of my concern somewhere, if I just have my biggest concern chip and I got to slide it on one unit of the team, I'm going to put it at the linebackers. Yeah. I'm with you. You got an eight. Rob has got an 8.5. I'm going to go. I won't do the average. I'm going to go a nine 
and it's not because Ooh, of the inside. Yeah. It's not because of the run defense. I'm more concerned that the Rams aren't generating more pass rush. Last year, when we had Aaron Donald anchoring the front and Michael Brockers and Ndamukong Sue, there still wasn't a enough pass rush consistency from the defensive line, but also from the edge rushers. The, the Rams didn't get nearly enough of what they needed in the pass rush game. And that was before we traded for Dante Fowler Jr. And it was after. And I, I, I'm worried because as good as Aaron Donald is, he's one player. And I'm worried that, that the teams are going to, to scheme heavier and heavier against Aaron Donald to, to say, look, we got to double team him at a minimum and maybe triple team him at a time. And part of the reason we can triple team him is that we're not worried about these other guys because we're not worried about Samson Ebukam and we're not worried about Dante Fowler. And we're not worried about Clay Matthews at the tail end of his career. Aaron Donald had 20 and a half sacks last year. The Ram with the second most sacks on the team in 2018 was Ndamukong Sue. He's not even on the team anymore. Samson Ebukam only had three. Dante Fowler only had two in eight games. Now I've talked to, I know Robbo, this is your chance to make fun of me for leaning on sacks as a metric, but it's represent, it's representative what? of what? some level of pass rush consistency and the fact that we didn't get it from those guys. And it's, it's not that I don't think they can play better. I think I, I I'm higher on Samson Ebukam than most Rams fans are. And I think as athletic as he is, he should be producing more and he's capable of better football. But he didn't play it. He didn't play it last year. Bro, who who led the league in pressures who last did, year? Besides Aaron Bro. Donald. No, what team? Well, that, but that's the point. Our boys. But, but yeah, so you don't need sacks. You just you get pressure. Get, get, you don't need, we've already discussed how terrible we didn't, sacks girl, are. Th- and that's what worries me. Outside now. of Aaron Donald, we didn't get pressure. <laughs> that's what worries me is that we didn't get it. Uh, yeah, because he had he had a hundred and something pressures himself. That's because he, he's he fantastic, a, and the rest of the unit was not. And that's what worries me. Is over totally the course true. of a sixteen game season, I am worried that as teams get more and more dependent on making sure they stop Aaron Donald, which is look, if a guy's got twenty and a half sacks, quit trying to play him one on one for the love of God. Double team that guy and force other guys to beat you. What we proved last year was that those other guys weren't beating our opposition anywhere near enough. And that worries me more than anything. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, we got a little nugget here on the most underrated player on the Rams. Joey, who's your most underrated player on the Rams? Well, until a couple of days ago, I wanted to say Robert Woods, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's getting a lot of attention just by being put on that top 100 NFL list. For the first time. For the first time. So, I mean, maybe he's not the most underrated player. So, I'm going to stay on my brand, keep up with my own bullshit, and say that the most underrated player in the Los Angeles Rams is Jared Volcano That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's gorgeous. That's rose water on the tongue. Uh, Robert, who's your most underrated player on the Rams going into 2019? I mentioned him earlier. It's Big Rob Hevenstein. Uh, Right tackle was a huge problem for a long time, and it's it's definitely he got rewarded the contract uh, last season, and uh, you just don't hear his name called, which is a good thing when you play right tackle. 
him. He's he's just solid. He plays every week and he does his job. He's definitely the correct well, answer. I'll take the curveball and I'll go with the unpopular answer. I'm going to go with Marcus Peters, not because he was fantastic, but because people are underrating him quite specifically uh, based on last year. He's not as bad as most people remember. And I think he's going to put in a better 2019. Joey, Rob, mm. it's your two guys' favorite talk topic to talk about every podcast. It's the one thing we do Tershow Radio for. Uh, it's college football. Yeah, I just came. Oh, boys. My, ar- my, arm, my armpits are sweating. My, my knees are twitching. My toes are bursting through the seams on my indoor tennis shoes that I wear. College football <laughs> tennis shoes, you're so weird. I love it. College football. Um. Okay. So let's talk college football, man. Um. What was your question about? Because I, I, I have something I want to talk about, but I want to. I want you to frame no, the go. question. No, go. You get. To, you get the uh, chance. Frame it away. Last year, as everybody, all seventeen thousand of our listeners, we went from seven to seventeen thousand. This is fantastic growth. This podcast. I know, right? <laughs> is Oregon Ducks. And my band, my, my man, Herbert. And so that was the guy that I was I was uh, following hey, last I make year that I was rooting for. Can I, make I have a, a good guy this year. Yeah. I know his name. His name is request Justin Herbert. Can we call him Justin Herbert? <laughs> let, let me try it. Let me Justin. try it. Um, my favorite player right now is Justin Herbert. <laughs> Did I do it right? Justin. Justin Herbert. Out of Oregon. <laughs> you threw the ball you really weird for the Oregon Dukes. You have a perfect spiral. He's playing the Ur- um, Urban Tigers in week one. <laughs> so, I'm still in Camp Herbert. You should be. However, oh. there is another team that I have my eyes on. <laughs> another, another team that's on my list that I think is going to have a good Joey's team. Joey's been playing year. a little Bachelor in Paradise. I like it. Mm. The Bruins? Nope. Oh, shut it's up. The, shut it, up, bro. <laughs> it's the middle of our country, right in the plains. Oh, the, oh Nebraska. The Nebraska Cornhuskers. Beautiful. That's a wonderful and thing. And Adrian Martinez. He's fantastic. I, uh, oh, nothing has made me happier this offseason. Joey, this is wonderful news. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So he's going to be my guy. What big, oh, just him? What about Scott Frost? Yeah, well, I mean, I the, I, I, the, the way I feel about Nebraska is when we grew up on Nebraska, there were always this kind of stout running game. Sure. Uh, you know, just strong defensive team, but they were always in the running. They were, I felt like in the 80s and the early 90s, Nebraska was a perennial contender. And well, then they, they, fell were, off. they were more than that. They were fan, they were uh, as big a powerhouse program as you had. Yeah, exactly. And I, f- I feel like they're coming back. And I, I just I really like the way Martinez plays. And I just I, I think I think that they are evolving. And the fact that they just even have like a dual threat guy playing, I believe in Coach Frost. <laughs> oh what man, this is so good. I, uh, I I can't remember the last time I was this happy. I went to the beach. In Florida, and I was looking at the beach. I was looking at the ocean. It was beautiful. It was sun- Not even that made me as happy as this news you've given me, Joey. Thank you so much, Robo. What are you? What are you, you there's no way that you can make. You, you know what? Fuck you, Robo. Ahead of time, whatever you, whatever you say. Is like, <laughs>
I can't. I, I can't drop some EW nuggets on you. I can't drop you still. Nothing's going to make you happier than what you've got now. So we just, just wrap it up. I was like, ah, humidity, gotta love it.